0: Star Wars 7x7 episode 2464. So yesterday was April Fool's Day. It's one of my favorite days of the year because I get to do an episode for Star Wars 7x7 where I get to play with the truth a little bit. And in yesterday's episode, there was actually a lot of truth. So on today's episode, I'm going to separate truth from fiction for you and also tell you about the piece that I left out of everything. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars Joy, and thank you so much for joining me for it, and thank you also very much to Everyone who had such fun things to say on social media and on Patreon about the April Fool's Day episode, I really appreciate the kind comments, and I'm also grateful that there were no angry comments either. So, just to catch you up, and if you haven't heard the episode, then sorry I'm ruining it for you, but the deal is is that with the Star Wars Holiday Special a lot of elements that were first introduced in that really have been brought back into the canon now that it has been rebooted in the post-Disney acquisition era. So again, it was... In April of 2014 that Lucasfilm said we're going to wipe the slate clean and it's just going to be the movies in the Clone Wars that are official from this point onward and then everything else that we add is going to be the new official for storytelling and everything else is going to be marked Legends and not apply. Over time, of course, various Star Wars storytellers have been taking things out of the old expanded universe, now legends, and reintegrating them into the canon. And uh, from time to time, I've referenced a conversation that I had with Jason Fry on the podcast, where he talked about, and, you know, I forget the phrase now, but basically the infrastructure canon, where, for all intents and purposes, there are certain elements like the you know code number for a TIE fighter part that hasn't changed regardless of legends to the new canon, right? There are things like that that are a lot easier to keep in place. But, back to the original thing. Things in the old canon, now, legends that are being brought back into the new canon. The Ambin rifle that The Mandalorian uses in The Mandalorian is actually a thing that was first introduced in the Star Wars Holiday Special, right? Also introduced for the first time in the Holiday Special was Chewie's family, Itchy and Mala and Lumpy. And yes, all three of them were introduced in those particular stories that I mentioned. Uh, Mala in the adaptation of A New Hope, and Lumpy in Chuck Wendig's Aftermath's End. Alexander Bracken, by the way, did the adaptation for A New Hope. And... Um, the screenplay for Solo A Star Wars Story, where Chewie says, I'm Chewbacca, son of Achichuk Again, sorry about the pronunciation. <laughs> so yes, elements of Star Wars storytelling that were first introduced in the holiday special have been brought into the new canon. That is absolutely true and legitimate. And so when the announcement came that... Disney Plus was going to be adding the story of the faithful Wookiee to its catalog. That is, of course, the cartoon that appears in the Star Wars Holiday Special. I thought, okay, this is where I'm going for April Fool's Day. What else are they going to potentially work into the canon? And so as I thought about this, I thought, okay, well, you know, this could kind of get complicated. How can I make this as simple as possible to do? So I focused on characters and focused on storytelling that's going to be coming up in the world of Star Wars in the coming years. So that's how I decided to try and work that angle. So the whole thing about Gormanda, for example, being Jabba the Hutt's um, personal chef, I thought, okay, well, you know, where can we do that? And oh, yeah, the storytelling thing is happening in a couple of years. So perfect. We can line it up with that. And thinking of it that way, thinking of a particular character made me think, okay, well, who are the other two characters that I could introduce into this whole thing? And, you know, it was really, yes, Harvey Corman, of course, plays multiple characters. But I thought, okay, one Harvey Corman is enough. So then let's do the Art Carney let's do the B Arthur situation. And you know, Art Carney plays a traitor in the holiday special. So where would he be? You know, the Lando thing is what occurred to me first. That was kind of like the, uh, you know, the one that didn't quite fit very well for me personally. And I was like, this feels like this one's forcing it. I'm not so sure about this one. Um, The bit about the Pana system, that is actually the name of the system that... They visit in the Star Wars Holiday Special. That's where the events take place, where they meet Boba Fett. And the Panna System is, in fact, according to the Essential Atlas by Jason Fry and Daniel Wallace, the Panna System is, in fact, in the Teon Cluster. And the Teon Cluster has ties to Darth Revan's Sith Empire. That is stuff that's in Legends. And so it occurred to me, well, where it is Sith stuff Tie into future storytelling. Aha! The acolyte. So that's how that one came about. And then there was the B. Arthur Akmina thing, which you know, as I thought about it, was like, okay, this is great, but we're gonna have to come up with a new person to do it because sadly, B. Arthur passed away in 2009. So <laughs> I spent some time. I swear, sometimes internet search history like it's very odd, but <laughs> it was you know variations on. Who looks like B. Arthur? Who could play B. Arthur? Who could <laughs> pass for B. Arthur? Various combinations of that particular search on Google. And Jane Lynch just kind of stumbled upon it. I'm not sure what search was the right one that landed that one, but she was the one that got me there. I was like, you know what? With a little makeup, <laughs> I think you could actually have Jane Lynch portray a, you know, capable Acmina, and she would certainly have kind of the, you know, sassy and sarcastic attitude, and she certainly has a performer's quality to her that B. Arthur certainly has, so I thought, this lines it up perfectly. Of course, there were some folks who saw the podcast or who listened to the podcast who said, that was the moment I knew you were pulling my leg, and funnily enough, that was the one that I felt the strongest about. I thought, this is just so airtight... You know, because he kept going to Tatooine and we found out in chapter, oh, nine, chapter nine, the first episode, The Marshal, that he spent some time on Tatooine previously, The Mandalorian didn't. That's how he knows how to communicate with the Tusken Raiders, right? So it seemed like it would be a no-brainer that he would end up there in season three and he's already been in the cantina and that's where the cantina scene happened in the holiday special, so it just seemed natural. And of course, B. Arthur sings that song, Goodnight But Not Goodbye, which led me to think, ah, Ludwig Goranson should do that. Which then led to, what else could Ludwig Goranson do? (laughs) And so, (laughs) that was where Light the Sky on Fire and Hyperdrive came in from Jefferson's Starship. The piece of this that I had in the first pass of the episode and that I actually deleted and so it didn't make it into the final product was that I also talked about Ludwig Gordonson doing versions of the songs that have been played by Pronunciation, here we go. Finn Dengaren D- and the Modal Nodes, right? So the Bith band that is playing in the Cantina in A New Hope. There are two songs that we hear from them. Uh, one of them Mad About Me, I believe, and the other one is Dune Sea. Oh, shucks, I'm going to forget it now. And that's why it's awesome to... <laughs> record these in little bits and pieces. Dune Sea Special, that's what it's called. And also the one that plays at Galaxy's Edge, which is Modal Notes. And I had a whole thing about, oh yeah, it's gonna be an entire album of in Universe Star Wars music as interpreted by Ludwig Göransson. but I was like, okay, that's just kind of going a little too far. So I stopped with the uh with the <laughs> light sky on fire and hyperdrive bit. Oh, and it's also true that the Life Day Treasury that's coming out later this year, written by George Mann and Kevin Scott with art by Grant Griffin... That is going to do Life Day stuff. And Kevin Scott has said in an interview that they will be on Kashyyyk for one of those things. And one of the pieces of art created by Grant Griffin is of Wookiees in red robes. And it looks just like the scene in the holiday special. So that is also an accurate actual thing. So I think probably the best way to draw a defining line for what's real and what's not real in yesterday's April Fool's Day episode is 2021 and 2022, basically. So if I'm talking about something that was in 2022 or beyond, fake (laughs) April Fool's stuff, and stuff that I talked about in 2021 or earlier, that's all actual real deal stuff. So that's the scoop with the April Fool's Day episode yesterday. I hope you got a good laugh out of it. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed making it for you. So fingers crossed that it was a good one for you. And that right there is going to do it for this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it. As always, and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be.